Welcome to the Punters Preamble. I'm Simon Donopoulos. I'll be joined by Adam Blenko. Big weekend of racing. And nice to see the weather gods have the same view of the Sydney Carnival. They're just going to wash it out. <laughs> and it ended last week with the Epsom. The talk is the meeting is likely to be moved to Monday, but surely Rose Hill's the better option. Got to be Rose Hill Saturday, doesn't it? I, that's what we were just reading before coming on air. One mil at Rose Hill, 64 mils at Ramwick. Insane. But a no-brainer, and I am under the impression that this is Rose Hill's meeting anyway, so give it back. Give it back. Well, the gloaming was always at Rose Hill. And while you're at it, give the Canterbury Guineas back and give the Warwick Stakes back as well. And the Chipping Norton. <laughs> Ramwick's just come in and taken everything. Massive, massive meeting down your way. This is top five all year, Guineas Day. It's certainly up there, yeah. You don't have a top five? Oh, probably is. I haven't really thought about it. Winter Championship Day. Coonji. Blue Diamond Day is Caulfield's best. Coonji, of course. Although that's really all about one race. So can that be really... I mean, when a, when a race dominates a card like that... It's not really body of work. Really, yeah, it's not really a big day, is it? It's, it's just two months like the Everest. It's just the full focus on one race. No, it's very, very good. And it's a fascinating... Um, it's held right up, I would say, as a, as a day. And it's a really interesting betting day with stacks of obvious favourites, I would say. And I think most of them are... Um, Priced up about where you could have a good debate one way or another. I think there's a lot of good debate horses. Would you agree with that? Yeah, most of them are wearing blue. Mm, it's a big day for James. James is currently leading the Racing and Sports Trainer Power Rankings, which he would be well aware of. Of course. So He's he, a big friend of the show. And he would be going into Saturday knowing that there were a few movers on that list this week. It'll be updated today actually and a few have crept up right underneath James there and if he doesn't have a big weekend he's got a lot of chips on the table this weekend a lot of his big guns goes quiet last week had Cascadian he had a couple run down the track a couple of scratchings in Melbourne as well so he didn't have a lot of runners in the group races so he's held it back for this week and yeah as I said a lot of chips on the table and he'll be you know for one he'll want to win the the guineas with a nice cold and he'll want to win the might and power with his with his big star animo but above all of that he'll want to hold on to number one spot on the racing and sports power rankings. I was going to say he'd want to see Polili run well or it is going to be big special K next week. Is that the, do you think that's the plan? Probably not. He, do you reckon he'd back him up? Just no. he's done it in the past with a few horses. I think they're a very, one of the reasons why he is the number one trainer is probably because he's a very structured and well-organised dude with a big structure behind him, of course. And I, they've got a plan with Polili and I doubt they deviate, especially when you've got, Kementari and the human carabiner Glenn already at base camp <laughs> to conquer this mountain. And as the rain keeps falling down, Everest-like conditions for the mountain race, um, that'll just bring out the best in both Special K and Glenn. So when you've got a candidate like that, I mean, Paul Lely couldn't hold a flame to him. Well, they certainly lift the roof off Ramwick if Glenn was able to get Special K to the outside. I think he is running for Godolphin. It would be unlikely for Pelelli to back up, you would think. No, that's probably not happening. But the stable star is the star of the show at Caulfield and the highest rated horse anywhere in the world this weekend. We've gone a day early this week, so I, um, there's good racing in Japan on Sunday, but not Group 1 racing. So I'm no, thinking, only Group 2s. I'm thinking no Animo topless there, and I haven't checked the US. It's um, Future Champions Day in the UK, so two-year-olds. There'll be some friends of the show going around there, actually, from episodes from two weeks ago. So that'll be an interesting meeting, but none of them will be rated as highly as Animo. So, yeah, the focus really is on Caulfield. 
this weekend globally. And the Might and Power, I'm saying, is a globally significant race. That's the best we've got. Yeah. Away from the sprinters, of course. And I think the stage is pretty well set there as well. It's already. That's a mini Cox Plate. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> They're all there. And as annoying as it was at the time and as annoying as this spring has been for farcical tempos and negative, non-competitive tactics, I feel like it sets the stage as well a bit for the might and power. And what a horse for that race to be named after when they're finally going to put the foot down. I feel like last week, I think enough's enough, isn't it? Surely. Line in the sand and I think they're well aware that at Sandown, they, I mean, the tactics on Thunderstruck were poor. They just slipped them way too much rope. They won't do that again. They draw barrier one. They'll be keen to keep tabs on them. Zaki won't make the same mistake and get out sprinted. He'll be wanting to breathe a bit of fire into things earlier. So that ordinary pace at Sandown, which was still a great, fascinating race. Slow paces are great sometimes. They're fun. Just not every week, guys. Um, I think that's going to liven a few up. And I think what we'll get is, even though the map still looks near enough identical to Sandown, Animo doesn't really have a huge impact on the early pace of a race. He just lands in the coffin? Yeah, he'd be up there somewhere. He's versatile, <laughs> isn't he? In all departments. Yep. He's a, that's one of, I think that's his most appealing thing is that he's versatile. He can go from 1,200 to an extended 2,000. He can soft, heavy, good. He can settle forward. He can settle back. He's won off slow paces. He's won, or he should have won a Cox Plate off a high-pressure pace. Um, he is just a thoroughly likable racehorse, but he's not a. He has been anointed a little bit quickly as a. I mean, there's been you see chat in the media and things about oh they won't beat him and he's unbeatable and all this. He's not that yet. Is well, he? I've got a question for you, mm-hmm. and they've been banging down our door at racing and sports all week. The what's he beaten brigade? Yeah, because Animo barring the Cox Plate where he won, mm. you have. But he did beat a prepping. Very elegant and Mwanga. Yep. Then Overpass beat him. He's fell in against Halal. Converge beat him. Then the Rose Hill Guineas where he trounced him. And then didn't get sighted, obviously, in the QE. He's then beaten Fangirl and he's beaten Ice Bath. It's not a strong list. No, this is that is the this is competition. That's why this race is so great. It's yeah, competitive. Awesome. We saw him in the two big 2,000-metre group ones last year. He ran really well in a Cox Plate. He ran poorly in a Queen Elizabeth. But I think everyone went the ground was no good. Yeah, a few failed. But he's hardly, it's hardly conclusive that he is a monster at the absolute top level. And as you say, this is much more competitive than what he's beaten this time around. Again, two slow paces. And he's you know, dealt with good mares. Now he's got a you know, fangirl and ice bath and nice horses, but thunderstruck alligator blood. Zaki are better horses. I don't think... He hasn't beaten a 120 horse, ever. Is that right? Yep. That's one. We'll back to the books for that one. I'm pretty sure. Going through his last prep, so his wins over Halal, no. Did Converge. In second, I suppose, is what you're saying. Yeah, he's never beaten a horse. But he might have beaten one home somewhere. We beat Mwanga in very elegant home in a Cox Plate. Mm. So he has in a way. Yeah. I'd imagine if he wins here, the second horse is going to run 120. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's, again, why this is such a brilliant race. Is nothing but the absolute best of all of them will win it, surely. Surely. Yeah. So not one of those horses could win this without, because of the competition, because of the sheer number of good horses in it, not one of them will be able to win it without having produced 
at least the equal to what they've produced in the past or better. That would be a fair statement, wouldn't yep. it? If one of those was able to win without running a, a new peak or matching a peak, it would be staggering. Well, the rest of the field hasn't turned oh, up. I feel like if that happens, we'll be on here absolutely ranting and raving about Pendrith. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned the prospect of Mr. Brightside backing up into the Caulfield Cup. Now, I don't want to throw cold water on you. Not happening, is it? Well, they're going to ride him cold because they want to see him run a strong 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the logic of that is so ridiculous. You've still got to run 2,000 metres. What Does running unevenly make it easier? It doesn't. That's actually... Okay, doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean... Oh, jeez, pick up a... <laughs> it's basic physics, guys. It's just ridiculous. But the fact they've said that tells me they're not backing up next week because they're already worried well, about him running a trip. They're worried about him running 2,000. They, they probably won't be running a mile and a half, but I think it's a good idea to find out. And you know what? Find out. Run evenly and see if he stays. And Benno, he, he will back up into the Caulfield Cup next week. So prep run for him. Yeah, yeah. He and Nonconformist are um, handicappers prepping. Yep. yep. I think both can run well, but surely wouldn't get into the frame. This is surely too... Not if everything else turns up. Surely too pointy at the top end. Yeah. So. You've got Animo and Zaki third up, Thunderstruck fourth up, Alligator Blood fourth up, Mwanga fourth up. This is... A terrific race. But yeah, I think I think $2.50 about Animo, I think that's a great argument price. And I think when we, we roll on to the guineas, is he getting a category golden mile? Are we putting him up as anything? Is he a Dunno or Bizarro? I don't think it's bizarre because the ratings are staring at me saying, well, yes. You've got, a, should bizarre, be that you've got price. a Bizarro in Sydney, don't you? I've got a Bizarro in Sydney. Well, then let's Sydney. say Golden Miles the Dunno. And I'll say I don't know because what he is is a conundrum in – so ratings, obviously he is the horse to beat. You know, very weak looking, I must say, Caulfield Guineas. But he rates about as highly as, say, your Ole Kirk or your Mighty Boss winning the Caulfield Guineas. So he could already be a bad Guineas winner. You made a point the other day that you don't think he's necessarily going to improve much on that. I don't think so. So you think he could – I mean, it is a bad-looking guineas, but you're saying he could only really be a bad guineas winner? It's funny. Horses can run the same ratings, but how you run it can be very different. And horses off the Golden Rose have a really good record in the guineas, but I feel they ran their race in the Golden Rose different to what he did. For Zoo Tiger to kick back and beat him on the line, that's a massive niggle for me. Yeah, fair enough. Don't think a lot of Zoo Tiger. He was probably well-ridden, Zoo Tiger. Well-used. Basically saying Golden Mile was well-used in the Caulfield, in the Golden Rose as well. Yeah, it's not like shooting to win where he was closing fast at 1,400 and say, okay, there's more to come at a mile. That wasn't the impression I got from his performance. Like, that was him, which can still be good enough to win on the weekend. But I don't think he's going to be better than that. So he's saying he's vulnerable. There are any number of improvers, but my God, they've got to improve. They're a long way off. Yeah, his winning that's standard. in his favour. And he is trained by the powerhouse that is Godolphin. So once again, I, I, he's a bit of a dunno because he could just spread eagle the field that he's much better than and then all of a sudden 280 looks... Unreal. Great betting, doesn't it? Hey, the horse came off the Golden Rose again and he was top rated by 10 pounds and he won at 280 for the best jockey and the best trainer. What are all you blokes doing? I think he's a horse that the big guys can get him behind. They could crunch him. Oh, it ticks every box. Because Best last start figure. He's drawn well for J-Mac. High strike rate, stable in group ones. So price almost, you'd never say price doesn't matter, but they see a chance and those big models will see a chance not just to get an edge but to get money on. Yeah. 
So what they end up doing is just crushing the price and taking even unders happily, happily to you know press it in underneath what they might have it marked if they were marking them single prices like that. Yeah, so I think he, I think two eighty could actually look a good price at some point, but there are there are horses that can improve because one thing is that there's not a lot of top end talent up there, but there's only one horse that's had more than five starts. So they really are an, an untapped lot. I'm a little bit interested in Elliptical, who was a Pendrith winner and didn't notice, I forget who it was, but a friend of the show chimed in on Twitter there and mentioned Elliptical. My first thought was, no, nah, he's not a Guinea's horse. I mean, he, beautiful carbine trial the other day. But this is a carbine. The last horse to win a Caulfield Guineas off a rating less than 100 in the lead-up. Don't have to go back far. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, was it Mighty Boss? No, it was Super Seth. Super Seth, okay. And he was finishing fa- – he did – he was actually rated 107, I think, already. He'd run in better races before that. But his lead-up run, he was finishing fast and ran 98. Elliptical's 99 rated and comes into this finishing fast over 1,400 sub-100. So he's with the same stable and maybe he can take a leap, although that stable are um, highly regarded, including by me, but um, been training a lot of winners lately. No. Which might be – Sure, they fit the mould of, I bet they haven't forgotten how to train. The worm will turn, but they are having a um, Uncle Tony-esque hanging for a winner kind of period. Unless it's at Syntho. Oh, yeah, well, that's a different ball game out there for, for Tony and Calvin, but they would love a winner in town. Admittedly, only a small crop. He hasn't a large contingent of runners, but looking at a Stearns record with horses beyond 1,500 metres... The highest rating actually came over in the US. Really? Yeah. Grial rated 113 over 1,700, finished third. So Golden Mile is his highest rated son, daughter, progeny. Is his highest rated progeny, 115. I was going to say, I don't think that is with me, but time form, yes. Time form, 115. So that's the... There's nothing at this stage to suggest he'll be better at a mile. No, his mum was pretty quick too. Mm. So he's he's not bred for, for further than a mile. I think he'll stay a mile without wanting further. Yeah. They re- I mean, poor old Afcab, and he probably left one on the table here first yeah. turn, didn't he? Yeah. Able oh. deputy. But again, a great debate horse. Paul Ailey's a great debate horse. Mm. You could even make a case that um, Zapateo's a great debate horse. And in the Turak, we're not in the blue anymore. A rare favourite out, out of the Blue Jackets. I wish I win, I reckon, is a great debate horse. I think for some the debate is settled. He wins. Yep. It was a barrier that's only got people worried. Oh, fair enough. It's some niggle when you're betting sub two to one. I don't mind when you get a bad barrier for a horse that you really like because you're going to get a better price and I'm happy to take the gamble. Luke Nolan's fine. so Fine? As He's in, a friend of the show. No, as in he'll do fine. Oh, like yeah, it's no, not a, no. Luke's not worried, well, so no. I shouldn't be worried. Back to the guineas. I think Berkeley Square, ratings-wise, staring at the page, No. But I reckon he's a good horse. Yeah. Well, if I'm throwing up elliptical, he beat elliptical fair and square, right? Yeah. And some. And was slaughtered. Yeah. So if Golden Mile is vulnerable that last 200, I think Berkeley Square's got him and such is the market. But yeah, it's an interesting card at Caulfield, the whole meeting. Yeah, because there's so many like that. I don't think anyone in, in their right mind is actually, oh, maybe there'll be a few stumping right up for Berkeley Square. But I think as a general rule, everyone sort of accepts that Golden Mile is the P. And I think everyone sort of accepts probably that Animo is the P. Yep. So it all becomes a are you with or against at the price? And I think the prices are at really good for and against sort of prices. I reckon Golden Mile's a better bet than Animo. 
if mm. I had to pick the two. So much less to beat. So with Golden Mile, he's already at an established level that they all have to make a jump and a sizable jump to get to. Mm-hmm. Yes, the distance is an unknown, but if he runs his rating from the Golden Rose, they're going to have to take a massive jump to beat him where Animo doesn't really have an edge at all and yet he's priced shorter than Golden Mile. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a fair summation of things. And oh. I, I'm I'm throwing I, I wish I win into the same category where I, I sort of think I get I get it, and he's been fantastic. And I think last start the the strength he showed over a good overall time said yeah, mile is exactly what he wants. It was a pretty unreal win. He looked yeah. in deep trouble and got himself out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, one of the interesting things is like so he looked in deep trouble. Is that right? I can't even remember really. It just was an awkward watch. He was in behind and then he couldn't get out. He almost had to stop. And so that's a, is that a positive for him? Horses that get themselves in deep trouble. I mean, if he's really dominant, he never gets in trouble. Oh, no, I think it was just situation. Mm. He just got caught. A horse swept up on his outside and he got shuffled back. And Two racks create situations. Mm. So, I mean, Thunderstruck last year hauled himself out of a situation. I think Jai McNeil did, to be fair. Mm, no, I'm going the other way. Thunderstruck yeah. was horse? awesome. Brave. Yeah. Dragged him through a oh, brilliant. We'll go down the park and I'll show you the gap he took and I'll tell you to run through it and see. Yeah. Well, if I was, a, you know, Thunderstruck was very brave to do that. I'm talking about Jai. Yeah. <laughs> but here's a question for you. So all the horses we've mentioned are fairly similarly priced. you got to pick one. So the options are Zapateo, I wish I win. Well, I haven't really got to the last, so we'll, we'll scratch her. Oh, you haven't got there yet? No, I haven't really looked. She's not in? Golden I don't Mi- think I would be. On, I don't think it'd be her anyway. Yeah, Golden Mile or Animo or Polelli. They're all about the same. They're all about the same price. Um, I went through this for the Melbourne Mail, and you know what I did? Ignored a lot of them and back Zethus. No sort issues of, with the draw. Sort of four to one. No, I think it's a positive for him, and I can prove it. <laughs> Do you know? Just a, I, I may be Golden Mile because I'm a ratings guy, and so I always feel like if I'm being backed into a corner, I'll go the ratings way. As you say, he's got 10 pounds on his opposition there, whereas Animo's got a pound yeah. on Thunderstruck and Zaki. Maybe the variance on Animo is lower. He'll almost certainly run really, really well. It's not necessarily the case for Golden Mile, but the edges are. There's much more of a chance that 280 Golden Mile is way too big than 240 Animo. Yep. Are you just leaving out your boy, Polelli? No mention no, of him? No, I'm, I'm interested in. I, I would have been really interested in Polelli if the market had a. The early market didn't didn't like him. Forgive him, just like I would, off the valley. I mean, I I think the valley was a horrible scenario for him, as, and the betting told you that. Getting towards the race there, when the rail was a little warm, yep. things had things had turned. Things were already a bit sticky. Valley thousand might not have been the perfect spot for him, regardless of where he, you know his ratings came in different scenarios to that. So you were already out on a little bit of a limb with that, and then when the rail was as it was, and the track played so slow that night, so it was a bit. It was all bizarre. Like right? so much of this spring, I feel like a broken record. It was a bit quirky and I'm loath to take too much, put too much weight into it. So I can be really forgiving with Paul Laley. And yeah, his form in Brisbane looks great, isn't it? All that Rothfire and Private Eye and Alligator Blood. All that. Marzu. Marzu was terrific last week. That all just looks rock solid. And he's, he's you know, he's got a bit queen of the ball. He's just better than them. Mm, <coughs> so I, I can see being forgiving, but of course the market does 260. So is that... Couldn't possibly be way too big, could it? No. Could be fine. Like most of these favourites, I think most of these favourites are fine. I just don't think any of them are 
any great advantage to the punter. Speaking of prices that are of no great advantage to the punter, you have one in Sydney that you think is of great disadvantage to the punters. Yeah, Sharp and Smart's come up 360 favourite in the gloaming and I, I don't understand why. Is it bizarro? It's bizarre. <laughs> it is utterly bizarre. Is he favourite because he's a Kiwi and it's a heavy 10? Yep. Because he's never seen it. <laughs> yeah, they all go, mate. He's never raced in on a wet track. And, you know, Adam always has a go at me when you draw straight lines because racing isn't that simple. But political debate and Sharp and Smart, I've seen him race. And to suggest there's a great deal between them, I don't understand how there can be. And political debates, double figures. Admittedly, he's come back and hasn't lived up to it. But Sharp and Smart's win in New Zealand was scuzzy as you can get. Remember, I talked about that. I was like, the eyes guys are going to hate this. It was awful. <laughs> I was watching that, yeah. And for him to land in Australia, they do. New Zealand horses have a really good record first run off the plane. I understand that. But he's gone 14 to 1,800, 28 days onto a swamp. And he's favourite. It just... Bizarre to me. Williamsburg has to be favourite. I will be staggered if Williamsburg doesn't start favourite in that. I know he's drawn 18 and he's going back, but he was king of the swamp the day the races got called off. And he's off a win. He loves near cancelled tracks. (laughs) (laughs) He loves it. And out of Fenway, first time we get to see him beyond a mile. And geez, I loved his win last weekend. Down the outside. It's an easy ride for McAvoy. Just get him to the outside. And with rail at eight metres, you can get out. Way out. And if that's the case, I think he'll be too good for him. Old Morikawa McAvoy. He's flying. I tell you what, we won't do the Morikawa for Canterbury, but I reckon he flushed a few yesterday as well. He was on. Maybe he's a wet track jock. Not for the footage I saw in the autumn, actually. (laughs) But, yeah, I think easy, easy race to Mark Williamsburg favourite. The two dangers... According to the market, Sharp and Smart and Prometo have to have humongous queries. And he just doesn't. He's solid as a rock. He was good in two runs back and then showed it, finally meeting the horses at set weights and rounded them up. Pardon my complete ignorance. And I know that I'm on a racing podcast, at least trying to give the illusion that I'm well informed. But Prometo, in my little first cut machine, comes up second pick to Williamsburg. So I agree with you on who should be favourite without doing any thinking. But where, why have I got Prometo up there? And then the market does as well. So I'm guessing I've seen there's something there. Through the Golden Rose. Oh, is that where he ran yeah. that? Okay. So he ran a duck egg in the Golden Rose, but he ran 10th. Yeah, it's right in this. Yeah, five lengths <laughs> off Jack and O. Because I don't even have political debates formed this time in too far off it. Mm. So maybe he's a bit big there. I mean, you're drawing those straight lines. I don't like straight lines, as you know, but they, you've got a lot of leeway with that straight line, $14 to 360 Yeah. Like you can You can be wrong about the straight line, but you've got plenty of wiggle room to to be paid for it anyway in the long term. Yep. I would have to agree with you. That is a bit bizarre. Yep. Happy to have you on board. The time-honoured Silver Eagle, we can't not touch on it. So looking at it, it's obviously been a great race heading towards the Golden Eagle. The three winners of the Silver Eagle, the best they finished in the Golden Eagle was 10th, which was flit. But... Counter Rupee came through the Silver Eagle last year and placed in the Golden Eagle. Do you think any of these horses will be able to feature in a couple of weeks? No. No, I think the Golden Eagle is moving like it's going to be one in the high teens, even 120. Thunderstruck ran 118 last year. It looks as strong this year, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, if I wish I win wins the two rack and he comes up and doesn't run in the Cox plate. 
have things I think things might have changed for Imperatrice, who's now last week got cancelled over there, so she's now running this weekend in New Zealand. The mighty Imperatrice, candidate for fourth of the year. Yep. Um so she was gonna come across for this and then presumably run in the Golden Eagle, but now she runs it in the Group One mile at Hastings on Saturday, and oh, actually they might have even moved location on that one. Check your form guides at racingandsports.com. She might then be going to the Empire Rose, which was the original plan. So those people who raced into the 350 in early August, they're back on track. They're still alive. <laughs> still looks like the Golden Eagle's going to take a lot of winning and none of these. Is Converge going to run here? I'm not sure. He'll run the two-rack, I think. He won't want to swamp, will he? I, don't, I think they're probably things are not going well for Converge and they'll want to change things up. Yep. So I wish I win favourite at the moment, Light Infantry. You've got Hinged, Fangirl, and then the first of the Silver Eagle runners, Mr. Mozart. Mr. Uh, Mozart feels a lot more Silver Eagle than Golden Eagle to me. Yeah, he's 115 horse. If that, yeah. Which is where I think there is an opportunity in this race. A betting opportunity? Yeah. The best kind of opportunity. And it's off a 78. So that's sort of where I've got the Silver Eagle pegged. And it is Waterford. The official horse ratings will make you believe this is a massive jump. He's rated 78. And I believe Mr. Mozart's rated 105. So they've got 25, you know, 12 and a half kilos between them. On last start ratings, we make it 110 to 107. Mr. Mozart, his peak's 115, 116. So there is a little bit of a gap there, but I think he's a really, really nice horse, Waterford. And to do what he's done in three starts in Australia and for Chris Waller to deep end him like this, I think is a massive, massive tick. His recent trial under an absolute throttle. The best last you'll see. And wide draw, I reckon, is not an issue with the prospect of a wet track. He's going to get back anyway. And I love the setup. 28 days, back in trip, testing 1,300. I I mean, no surprise to see him second pick in the market. He's been well supported early. And I'm keen. I think he's a smart horse. And surely... I mean, surely he's not going to the Golden Eagle and he is going to the Waterford Crystal Mile. I refuse to believe he's being set for any other race. I say if he wins on the weekend or runs top three, he'll be in the Eagle. They are ballot exempt if you run top three in this. Disgrace. Espiona, she's finally ready. She might be a dunno. Draw 17, I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't ride her ice cold and essentially have no chance in her first two runs on good tracks when the day when you decide you're probably going to have a go. Here comes the rain. The future is uncertain. Take what's in front of you. Could they could they give her a chance here? No. No. <laughs> I don't you know what? I reckon they'll scratch. Yeah, they probably will. Barrier seventeen, going back to last wet track. Cause uh, to be honest, the market's finally deserted her. I'm like, yo, beauty. And then she drew seventeen. Trist <sighs> Tristark next week at Caulfield, Mayor's fourteen hundred. Yeah, I'd say that'll be the Not that there's not Mayor's fourteen hundreds. Here, there, and everywhere. Which is she, I mean, surely she's not invited. <laughs> uh, talk to me about Lavish Girl. She split two good ones, I think, down in Melbourne at Big Odds. Do you know, it's funny when you said, like, you mentioned her a couple of days ago when they accepted, oh, Lavish Girl's coming down here. And I was like, I don't know why they'd be doing that. I was thinking of Decent Rain. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't, th- I tend to one. Lavish Girl doesn't do much for me either. Yeah. No, I would have thought. I mean, she's a, she's a lesser filly than Espiona, for example. In conclusion, we don't think this will be the form for the Golden Eagle. But an interesting race, nonetheless, it's a heavy 10. It's the Swamp 
in Sydney, if you're doing your form for Ramwick, I'd be looking for horses that actually performed well at Ramwick during the autumn because I think it's going to be very similar. Yeah, okay. I think Swamp. It's proper Swamp. Swamp. It gets Swamp. It's already a heavy 10. I don't know if it is a heavy 10 already. They had a heavy 10 this morning and they've had so much more rain today. So it was a heavy 10 this morning. I'll wow. surely just run at Rose Hill. Give the meeting back. Oh, no. But we'll see how it plays out. On Saturday, your best in Melbourne? Uh, best for me is Zethus. Who runs in the village stakes, which I think is the right race for him. He is a horse. He beat Home Affairs as a two-year-old, then got injured. Only saw him four times as a three-year-old. Two of those were on heavy tracks where he was ordinary and he couldn't really put it all together. But he shaped pretty well against Generation around Caulfield. And then he's been gelded. The unkindest cut. But he looked strong at the valley first up. Got a strong pace to run run at. And he just got stronger and stronger the further they went. And he looks to me like the perfect sort of horse to go right on with that. So that early promise now can can um, be delivered upon. And I hope it will be early on the Caulfield Guineas card. Because I think four to one is potentially a bit big about him. We talk about all those favourites. I think they're maybe they're about the right price. There's some sort of chance that Zethus should be much shorter than four to one. You know, there's, a, there's a scenario there where he's inside two to one. I'm not saying that's where I would necessarily settle, but there would be scenarios. In the multiverse somewhere, there are scenarios where he's real short. Interesting race for me, my brief look at Caulfield, is the second. Just wanted to get your opinion on this. So Old Flame narrowly beat Purple Sector first up and then ran well behind Surf Dancer. He comes up favourite. Jamie Carr goes on. Purple Sector, $6. Nothing between them in Sydney and there's a fair weight swing to Purple Sector in that race. But I can see Old Flame getting the right run and Mr. 2% John Thompson back with Purple Sector or forward, caught wide. I don't know. How do you uh, see it? I can see anchoring back to the old form, but I think, ironically, the Old Flame is all new. So he's going one way, Purple Sector's going nowhere. Old Flame will, I think, last start already did improve past Purple Sector and will continue to improve and beat him again. Simple. <laughs> Good. That's the answer I wanted. Cardinal Jam is a really nice horse in there who will be an absolute... Train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> but he is on the radar of all the sectional boys. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. And probably the eyes guys as well, but Caulfield, he has won at Caulfield. He had a terrific winter and he's a winter championship star of winter, the winter championships. The lead-ups and on finals day was a big part of that. So he's got a special place in my heart. But this looks much stickier than last start where he got himself... Did you? This was that Sunday at Flemington. He got himself into an awful spot. Remotes were going through the television. Jordan, what are you doing? Good boy, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> One question I reckon we're going to start doing with the preview show is you've got to give your Penrith nominee. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So my Penrith nominee is going to be Espiona if she runs. Yeah, a oh, strong Penrith nominee. Well, I mean, I don't probably have to think about it too much because that feels about right to me, Cardinal Jim. Yep. I won't dig any deeper. Yeah, that's your nominee. My nominee will be... I really like Jordan Child. I think he's an underrated jockey. But oh, he'll be right in the ring for that one. And I'll stick in the same race for my Morikawa nominee. I reckon Old Flame's just going to get every possible from Jamie and get the 1-1. Huey's not riding in Sydney. He's my favourite Morikawa, even though he's won the Penrith more. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, we did give him that for uh, winning by, <laughs> by five one day. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay on brand and I will say that I think the I think the, Jamie can get her eye in there. Yep. And then flush it on Zethus for me. I think she can be a little bit positive with him without having to be too positive, but she's the right sort of jock to use the wide draw to her advantage, not a disadvantage. 
and she got the power of James behind her to um, give her the confidence to do it. Beautiful. That wraps us up. We'll be back with the review show on Monday. Try and stay dry over the weekend or not get washed away if you are down the coast.